The following episode of Fofop is classified MA. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, a sex scene, time travel, terrible Batman impersonations, a Charlie Clausen pronounced Clausen shaped hole, and mild coarse language. Fofop advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15, and minors must be accompanied by an adult guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax. This is Tofa. <laughs> Ironically, I'm not relaxed. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Fofop. I am Will Anderson and guest Charlie Clawson today. First time guest Charlie Clawson, Shane Moss. Shane, hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. It's Good nice to, to have you here. Again. It's nice to see you uh, in, in America. In the US of A. How does it feel to be free? Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm tasting <laughs> the freedom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always, whenever I get off the plane yeah. in like the UK or whatever, I'm like, oh no, where'd all the liberty go? I right. can't do anything. I can't do anything. <laughs> I have no rights. They didn't even let me bring my gun on the plane. <laughs> I've told this story on the podcast before and I probably should never tell it uh, because it's indiscreet. But uh, there's a famous uh, American comedian, uh, Jewish female. I won't say what her name is, but (laughs) Sarah Silverman. And uh, when I was in Australia, we were touring together. And uh, one night we're at a bar and she gave me a bit of uh, weed chocolate. And I'm like, where did you get this like weed chocolate? And she's like, I just brought it with me. I said, you mean you imported drugs into another country? Man. You know, you could go to I, prison in our country for that. Like, I know, I know. Uh, that's, a, that's the... Cr- well, you can go to prison anywhere. Right, you're not allowed to bring drugs but, anywhere, right? Weren't we talking about this when I was in Sydney? Because I'd watched a program on the Something Five... Uh, like these drug smuggling kids. Uh, are we talking uh, about the Barley Nine? Yeah, Barley Nine. That's okay. right. <laughs> <laughs> Jurassic Five, the yeah. rap group. Is that who you yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, bar- the Barley Nine. Yeah, she could have fucking been Barley Nine, and yeah. Oh my god! Right, just locked up for life. And, and that's that. Where was that? Where was the Barley Nine? So uh, Bali. Um. <laughs> 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 what what did you think? What did you think? I, by the way, the barley stood for. I didn't know. Did you think it was one of their names? Uh, yeah, or maybe they drank a lot of the barley code name. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Bali, B A L I, Bali, yeah. the place, <laughs> the holiday, the prominent holiday destination for Bogan Australians. Bali. You get a uh, so you get a death sentence there, but then they just don't tell you when it's going to happen. You just right. sit indefinitely. Yeah. It's like a surprise death sentence. Is it today? No. It worked out that's the worst thing about being on the death death row is that you don't know. Because, I mean, I guess that is the worst thing, right? Because the only thing worse. Everyone on death row is like, no, ours is the worst death row that there is. But this is my point is like, even in death row, and you know this, because it's like any industry and any group of people, you would know there would be people on death row who think they're having it harder than other people on death row. Right, right. They'd be like, oh, they're death row when you don't know when you're 
going to get killed? That's the easy one, mate. Yeah, I yeah, wish I sissy, had that one. The, sissy right. death row. the surprise death row. Just live every day as if it's your last. <laughs> it's a positive thing. It's almost like a lifestyle choice. <laughs> yeah, well, and then and then in, in Barley, they're, they're like, uh, these Americans get a meal of their choice beforehand. A priest comes and says nice things to them. One of my favorite things about the American system is, and I actually do stand up about this because it's one of those beautiful things that if you grow up with it, it seems normal, but to anybody else looking at it like independently from the outside, yeah. it's the craziest system of all time. Because basically you're saying you are the worst person in the world. Yeah. You are so bad that we are not allowed to keep you in a prison for the rest of your life. Yeah, no, no, no. You shouldn't exist. You should not exist. We think yeah. you're so terrible that we can't <laughs> lock you up until you die in prison, which is already for most people is the worst. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh, we're going to kill you. But first, <laughs> yeah. are you hungry? <laughs> what can we get you? Anything you want in the world, yeah, yeah. we'll get you a final bit. <laughs> like, that is a weird I do, system. What is the... What is, like, the... Uh, there must be a prefix menu. I don't think you can. I don't think you can be like. I want. Are you mean? Um, Euro, oh, you think it's a set Euro menu sushi? And like, uh, have you seen Euro Dreams of Sushi right. uh, on Netflix? <laughs> like, I want you to fly there, get the thing from him, bring it back. Same day needs to be fresh. It would make a great Top Chef challenge. It, you ever seen the TV show Top Chef? It should be. They would is have. Is that what your bit is? No. That's funny. Because they would have, like, because on Top Chef, if you've ever seen that show, and for people at home who are, it's a competitive cooking show, which I love, hosted by Padma Lakshmi, who's a stoner apparently, which makes the show even better to watch if you yeah. know that. Uh, but uh, it's a competitive cooking show, and they'll often have challenges. They'll get a celebrity in whose birthday it is, or like Maroon 5 are touring, and you have to prepare their backstage rider or whatever. Imagine if you tuned in one day, and the challenge was, this guy's going to die, <laughs> and he's giving you eight choices for what his final meal will be, and you have to cook the best final meal for a prisoner ever. Like, so good, he has to be okay with dying. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Because you think if they were that bad, you would like force them to eat a terrible last meal as well. Right, Do you know what I mean? Right. Like that, not only should their last memory on earth shouldn't be nice, it should be terrible. Like it should be like, you killed all those people, so we're going to make you do a poo, eat it, and then <laughs> yeah, we're going to yeah. fry you to death in yeah, a chair. Yeah. And, I, and I like that we think we're so civilized right. for that too. It, 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 I think that uh, it's funny that we we went away with like public humiliation, right? Which probably actually deterred way more people. I would have when you're like so. seeing someone in the streets, like right. you, know, you don't want to be him, and then you throw the egg like on right. the guy's face. I mean, you can you <laughs> like, I don't want some asshole like me Throwing doing what I just did to this man. <laughs> <laughs> to me right and, but it's like but killing someone i don't know it it's something like something like um 25 percent of the death row population has brain damage right i mean they have because the, the iq for when you're allowed to kill someone is because they do have an iq cutoff but it's it's under what most people consider to be like mentally impaired right 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 so like you they're putting to death a lot of people who are mentally impaired right yeah there's a, there's like um there was some guy who would uh because he, he was in some car accident when he was like eight or something like right. that and had uh had brain injury prefrontal cortex and couldn't had no impulse control whatsoever and so like he had a date with a girl and then like 
tied her up, kidnapped her, like put her in the trunk and like did all this crazy <laughs> impulsive shit. And then like took her home, like untied her, was like, I hope you had a nice time. <laughs> I hope I'm like, okay, Cupid profile when it said impulse control issues. You read that bit? That's weird. And then, yeah, and then just, and then let her go. And then was like, all right, but like, <laughs> obviously you can look at that and be like this man is not well right and and, and there's so put him in some sort of medical facility yeah. and look after him and the standards of and i don't really care like death road it doesn't bother me capital punishment uh-huh. doesn't really as far as i'm concerned these people are uh like in often cases kind of uh, detriment to society right if you could prove if you could be 100 if you could be 100 uh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. sure yeah, yeah, yeah. that they're people who have committed uh, the worst uh, of, of worst course. crimes of course and of course if you like uh, maybe we should raise the bar a little bit limbo style on what the low iq level of it is and age i mean what right uh, and first off if, if we can agree that 18 uh, like like society has come to an agreement that there is an age at which you are not fully yet like a fully functional human being. Right. You are not an adult. Right. But 18 is just an arbitrary number. That Right. That we- well, quite often in Australia we have the debate because obviously in Australia you can drink at 18. But in America, you can, can't drink until you're 21. And they have the debate occasionally, mostly by people who are already over 21, right. about raising the drinking age to 21. Right. But the main argument is put forward is that your brain is, is not fully formed. Not and until you're it, 25. It's right. actually not. Yeah. And yeah. So it's like, it is interesting that we don't give that any gradient at all. We don't seem to factor that into the But we the clearly under, get the idea of it. Right. Because we have those laws, but just... Back when they were set, they were based off of this. Just, just you know, they, like, they, they mean, didn't have brain scanning. I mean, scanning you're gonna die like when you're 25, so we think you can drink at 18. <laughs> yeah. This is the olden days. <laughs> right. You're gonna get cholera when you're like 19, so <laughs> right. we're not gonna wait until you're 21st so right. you can have a beer. It is interesting. Did you start? Were you an early drinker? Like, because I'm interested yeah. in how early people start drinking here. Because in Australia, it's pretty common. I would say. And I'm guessing, but I had my first beer when I was about 15, I'd say, which to an Australian doesn't seem that young because you're only sort of three years away from it being legal to do. That seems like the sort of age that, you know, a three-year gap, it kind of seems like in that zone where people are like, oh, no, well, okay, that's that's in the zone. Right. You should be starting to test it out now. You yeah. know, be, but like when you're 15 and, and it's not legal until you're 21, that seems like you're still a fair way away from 21. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think... Most people in the U.S. think that the 21 is just kind of silly. Right. That that's a thing. But I think most adults also recognize that, like, looking back in hindsight, it's it's always like what you should be allowed to do. It's like gun rights or anything else. It's like, well, of course I should be able to have a gun because I know what I'm doing with this gun. Right. And I am going to use it to defend myself and I'm not going to snap one day and shoot my family or whatever else. But, you know, those other people that might, you know, uh, we should uh, watch out for them and, and test them and make sure they have psychological tests. But it's the same thing. So I think once you're like I'm 33 now, now I look back and I'm like, 18, 18 is not an adult in any way. But when I was 16, I was like, 
18, why do I have to wait another two years? You know, I'm adult enough now, you know. I find that really fascinating. I find that fascinating on a, on a bunch of levels because I was, I was at home uh, recently for my 40th birthday. I just turned 40. And I was having a conversation with my mum and she said, do you realize you're older now than you were, uh, than she was when I left high school? You know, when I went away to university. Like, and I just think, yeah. like, because I always thought they knew shit. I know fuck all. And I'm the age that she was when I left home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and that whole time up until that point, I mean, like, well, they seem to know what they're doing. They had no fucking idea what they were doing. I they know. were children. I think I was like mad at my parents when I was younger because I, every kid just thinks their kid, parents have it all figured out. Right. And you just expect that. And then, like, once you see those various chinks in the armor and, the, you know, various flaws and everything, you're like, what the f-? It's like such a letdown. Like, it just seems like this world's a lot. Because your parents are, like, your god or whatever, you know, when you're growing up. And then, and then you get older. It's just like, I mean, I just look around. It's like, I just see, like, a bunch of sad monkeys uh, walking around. I, like, that's how I think about it. Like, no one knows what they're doing. No life. one knows what they're doing. No one. But that's the thing that starts to dawn on you a lot as you get older is like most people are just fucking bluffing their way through it. Yeah, yeah. And most people... The, the people doing it well are right. bluffing their way through it. Those people are like the ones that are doing well. <laughs> but, then, but then I start to think... Well, I trust people all the time. Yeah. Like when I go to the doctor or Warren, I get on the plane. But I've met like dudes who went to medical school school who were like the biggest partiers of everyone because they knew what all the drugs did. Oh, like every yeah. time I go to see the doctor, I'm like, if you learned this in the first two years of you were at uni, fucking look it up on the computer right now. Because I know what you were doing the first two years of uni. You were right. fucking experimenting with drugs and going to parties and not paying any attention in medical class. My friend, Paul, uh, one of my good friends, I was just in his, um, I was just in his wedding. He's an eye surgeon now. Right. And I was, when I was growing up, when, you know, I started, like you asked, I started drinking well, I had my first few drinks when I was like 15 or so, but I didn't like it. I liked weed. I loved weed. Mm -hmm. And um, I wish I would have just stuck with weed the whole time because alcohol fucked me over. Uh -huh. Weed was never a problem. And uh, <laughs> but, but I really started going hard with alcohol when I was like 19. Right. And I was like... Like I kind of got a kick out of being like the wild guy, and you that's know, interesting. It was, it was like uh, it was my first taste of like the attention that I thought like like oh finally these people see me for the interesting person that I am, not realizing like a lot of people were probably kind of laughing at me as much as they were with me, you know. But that's it. But even that is very interesting to me because I was talking to someone about it the other day, and I was saying that now that I do funny for a living. You know, in my real life, I don't really feel the desire to be funny at oh, all. Yeah. Like, if I'm hanging out with my friends, like, yeah, sure, I'd like to have a laugh and whatever. But the rest of the time, I, I, the last thing I want is any attention. But I think when I was, like, 16 or 17 or 18, like, I, I, I did, of course. Uh, and it ca came out in different ways. I so, wanted it so right. bad. I was so insecure, yeah. Oh, So, where did uh, the insecurity so come from? What was that? Tell me about that. Well, I just... Um, First off, can I mention my fucked up friend who was more fucked up oh, yeah, please. than me? We'll get all over we'll get all over the place, but let's get to yeah, that. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, so this is yeah, insecurities. We'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> my um, my 
I have, I have, I have had many of those <laughs> in my life. Um, so my friend Paul was, was the one guy. And it's funny because looking back, we were so similar where our parents were super strict, uh-huh. super religious, okay. like never talked about their feelings or anything like yeah. that, or never had a real conversation about anything. And, um, just so worried all the time. This is before we were getting into any trouble. This right. was like when we wanted to go to a diner at and stay out till 11 at night drinking coffee right. and like chit-chatting with friends and like, oh no, that's no, getting no, into no. trouble. You're not allowed to drink caffeine after eight. <laughs> yeah. or you will never sleep. And that was sort of the things that made me be like, well, this is all bullshit. Right. So then I'm not going to listen to anything they have to say. And he, he had a very similar parents and his were even stricter. And he was the one person that I knew that was more fucked up than me. Meanwhile, my friends that like had no curfew or anything else were always getting straight A's and everything. Well, uh, my friend Paul, I sometimes tell this story on stage, but he, he used to... Uh, he used to like jump off of bridges and stuff. He was like borderline suicide, oh, yeah, like, right, okay. like for fun. But like but, maybe I'll die, maybe right. I won't. Yeah, this will be a rush. Right. And, <laughs> and um, so, he was doing his own little Bali death penalty. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be a fun day, or we could be a day to die. <laughs> exactly. And um, and like one time he brought a bottle of Everclear to a party. And like I, I just I so bad want to tell his patients right. this before he operates uh, on their eyeballs yeah. with fucking knives and lasers, and he uh, <laughs> he had brought a bottle of Everclear. Yep. Do you guys have Everclear? I'm assuming it's like an Australia? eye drop, right? Is it an eye drop? Is that what it is? Um, an eye? No, 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 no. no. What Ever- is Everclear? It's a it, it's an alcohol. Oh no, that, okay, that no, we don't. It's, 98% alcohol. It's 195 proof. No, we don't have that. It's just because that seems like a terrible idea. It's illegal almost everywhere. Right. Uh, you can get it in Wisconsin <laughs> and you can't get it pretty much anywhere else. It, like it's right. it's um it's bas- it's a it's it's like moonshine, it's moonshine. a little bit right. but stronger. And because th- it's like distilled properly. Right. It's branded moonshine. It's rubbing alcohol. Right. It's just rubbing alcohol. Like, but people do consume it. Is this what I'm saying? Yeah, but it's like one of those crazy. It's like what you do for a dare. Right. Um, it's. But so why do they sell putrid. it? Like, why is it in the shop? I don't shop? understand. I don't. It just like people get it like as a gag. I think it's like. You can also use it to like set some things on fire or, okay. or whatever, you know, right. like to make fancy drinks or <laughs> whatever. Just, oh, just, or burn down your house or yeah, whatever. Which is always a good thing to drink. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Something that's also used to set things on fire. So, so exactly. So, this is what he does. He brings the Everclear to this bonfire and right. he's taking swigs of it and he's blowing it into this bonfire and the fire goes oh, yeah. up, you know. Right? Yeah desperate for attention yeah like we all were back then you know <laughs> and uh and him and i had so many similar neither of us ever like had the courage to talk to girls or anything so we did shit like that right and uh and so he's a real <laughs> showman and he's doing this all night with this Everclear. and at that percentage it's just even if you're not drinking it it's absorbing into your skin oh, yeah, and yeah, you're yeah. getting so fucked up yeah and um 
and then and he's to the last bit he's doing like the grand finale and so he takes is more ever clear than than would fit in his mouth and he splashes it all over his face he's all hammered and then he blows it into the fire and the fire chases the stream onto his face lights his face on fire and he's so drunk here's something about paul too he was just like a really tough guy right he was always like uh just naturally built like really strong like okay. uh uh, he would arm wrestle football players four years older than him and and beat them in like arm wrestling competitions in the school and stuff. And um, just, just he got picked on a lot and learned to defend himself when he was younger. So he's a tough guy. Well, now his face is on fire mm. and he's so drunk he doesn't know his face is on fire and everyone jumps up panicked and starts slapping him right in the face but he's just used to being picked right. on his whole life it's like why are people so bullying me jumps up and starts knocking people out just decking people with his fucking face on fire it was one of the best things i've ever seen i mean i've got to say like you know if you've if you've punched someone in the face while your face is on fire people are going to remember you right you know what i mean like it's a good way to get attention you know that at least like you know at the funeral if like if he dies before everybody else you went to school with there'll be a meeting outside between everyone who's going to speak going who gets the face on the fire pit like shane's been doing it on stage i think he can uh, he can I, nail this i think that's uh it'll be like um like a Viking funeral or right. something, like where we all stand around and pass around a bottle of Everclear and, and, and light him on his casket on fire using the face Everclear. first, face, face first. first, yeah, yeah. I um, so you were d- drinking, you said, because of insecurity. Yeah. So what? Where did the, like you said the parents were religious? Is that just where it came from, or was did you feel like you're an insecure person in general? Um, I felt like I wasn't very popular at all, and I didn't have any like I didn't. Have Why very do you good think you weren't popular? Skills. Like, what do you think that was? Because I'm I'm. So how big a place did you grow up in? So my city's like fifty thousand, and the town is like. I mean, my graduating class was two hundred people. Okay, so it's big. So it's big it's, enough. It's big yeah. enough, and um, like I usually only had like. A couple friends, right. like two or three friends, and uh, I why? Was, why? I think because I was scared to talk to anybody. Like I, at least as far as it come comes to girls, yeah. like my parents did such a shit job of socializing me. Right. Like I wasn't allowed to be around any girls or anything. So I like had no fucking idea. It's how such to talk a weird to way to, like it's it. I mean, I can understand. If there was a white, did you go to school that had boys and girls? Or yeah, it, yeah, yeah, public school. Right. No. So where I grew up. Oh well, in Australia, public school is like the expensive school. Well, it depends is, which but, state you're in. People oh, start anyway. Right, it's yeah. very but confusing. In, in the U.S., public's like yeah. that's what most people go to. Yeah. So I went to a, a private school, which was like a like a, a up level school, you know, like a yeah. And um, but it was co-ed as well. It was boys and girls, but a lot of people went to all boys or all girls schools, and I was always like, I kind of get it because. At that age, boys and girls are terrible together. But at the same time, that's only handy training if you're sending them out into a world where they're only going to live with boys or they're only going to live with girls. Because eventually, men and women have to mix with each other. But not only do we have to mix with each other, but often we're going to enter into relationships, lifelong relationships with each other. Like, the thing that they should train you, like, at 
during school and it's always fascinating me that we don't because one of the major things about your life will be your job. They kind of vaguely prepare you to get a job and go out into the world and work, right? That's vaguely right. what school tells you to do. The other major thing probably in your life or that will influence your life will be the relationships that you have oh, with yeah. other people, right? Yeah, yeah. They're probably the two major things that define what sort of life right. you have. And yet they do no work at school teaching you how to have a relationship. I mean, compare it to like... Um, you, you know, you, you go and do these small towns with these people that have never once been outside their small town, have never once um, traveled, and their knowledge of the world is very, very limited. Right. And because uh, they live in a bubble. And I mean, uh, sorry to be a 80s cliche or whatever, but men and women are fucking different. Right. I mean, <laughs> if, you, <laughs> they if are. you haven't figured it out by now, they fucking are. They are different. So, it might be a cliche, but yeah, it's a cliche yeah. for a reason. Cats and dogs are also different and airplane food does taste terrible. <laughs> yeah, I know yeah. they've been covered, but it doesn't make them not true. <laughs> I know. Absolutely. But so, so because of that, if, if you're sectioning them off, that's like this bubble that you're creating around everyone. And then each each men are uh, what what we do uh, when we try to understand one another is we try to like simulate in our mind what we would do if they were if we were in their situation right but they're completely different than completely that. like, different that's just that's a false uh, idea of it. and everyone does that they project their own that's why we get frustrated with people and so it's like it's so clear to me that this is this way why do you not see everything my way i can't believe that we just are born you know like with all these differences i think that a lot of them are reinforced by yeah. you know the way we're raised the one that always comes up if you talk about relationships and is that and it, and it is a truism, which is that men try to solve things, and I'm guilty of this myself, when often women just want empathy. Like if they have a problem, our first instinct is always like, well, why don't you do this, do that, and we'll do this, and we'll solve that. And then we don't understand why the women get mad at us. Right. Like why they're like, I'm like, I just gave you the solution to your problem. And you're like... But I do that still. And you hear about it all the time. And I'm going, well, that, where does that come from? Because I even know that's the case. Yeah. But we're just wired different. We want to like deal with these problems in a different way. I mean, uh, I, I, yeah, it's strange to a guy that like sometimes girls cry because they want to. Right. Like they just want to have a good cry. A cry. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I mean, I've had a cry before. Right. But it's usually come after like For some a reason. pretty shit shows right. and like some real stuff <laughs> falling apart, you know. And, uh, and, and, uh, but, uh, I, I mean, sociology is incredibly important and, and all that, but I, Personally, what I happen to be into is a lot of like evolutionary psychology and biology stuff. And from that point of view, I mean, if you look and it's not that things can't be changed once we're conscious of it, but you can stick. Um, they do tests where they stick like a bunch of trucks and things like that. Um, and then a bunch of dolls uh, like classic girl kind of things in a cage full of uh, juvenile monkeys mm. and just let them pick whatever they want to uh, play with. And males will pick 
the trucks and things with moving parts and tool like things. And the females will pick like the dolls and the things that seem like babies. And there's no one in their society calling a dude a faggot because he picked up a doll, you know? <laughs> well, He's... I would like to know if we, if we finally start to understand what they're saying to That's each other. All they're saying. All they're saying. That's all. That was the first word. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone would be like, well, I guess they've reinforced some prejudices there. But that, that's, that is interesting to me, though, that you say that. So you're saying that King Kong is actually completely misleading because King Kong would have actually just grabbed a big truck and gone to the Empire State Building and waved the truck around. Is yeah, that what I, I don't think King Kong in real life would have tried to fuck that girl a thousandth <laughs> the time of his size and of a different species. I don't think there would be anything in King Kong's wiring to be like, this is how you procreate. This is how I'm going to pass my genes on, dad. Just, uh, just a huge... Huge King Kong penis. Just well, I also have the um, image of him now up at the top of the Empire State Building with her in his hand and all his mates back on the island just looking at him like, faggot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he should have a truck. That's what he should have. <laughs> Such a drama queen. Right. <laughs> 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 uh, so you said you were into evolutionary biology and psychology. Yeah. Where does that interest come from? Um, well, I... When I started dating my new girlfriend, we um, we met on this tour bus. These guys, Bob and Tom, they're kind of a um, very pop. You know, radio is not what it used to be, but um, but uh, you know, at one point they were higher rated than Howard Stern and stuff. There, this big nationally syndicated program. Anyway, we did a we did a bus tour with them uh, a couple of years ago. That's how we met. And we, I introduced her to mushrooms for the first time, mm -hmm. magic mushrooms. And, um, and this was like before we were, uh, doing anything or hooking mm -hmm. up or anything like that. And we went back to the bus at one point, we had this wonderful night and then went back to the bus and I turned on some animal planet because that's what you want to watch if you're right. tripping. And so, and some jellyfish and stuff. And, you know, we, we just had a ball. So then once we, once we started dating, it was like this fun memory thing right. that we would watch animal programming uh -huh. together. And, um, and I had just gotten out of this horrible relationship, or not horrible, just like really um, confusing and um, just uh, I felt like really hopeless in it and everything and mm -hmm. like was trying so hard for so long to make it work and it just wasn't. And, um, and again, still like my knowledge of women, it was all, I, I was still at this point, I still am, I guess, I don't know what I'd be like if I was single now, but at this point, still very insecure with like my knowledge of women. Uh -huh. I now have more confidence and like, yeah, I'm a comedian. I know some girls find me attractive and all that stuff, but um, I also do think that, um, it, it, again, because the same and everybody's the same. Because, you know, in the, in, if you look at that, like the, you know, the Malcolm Gladwell thing, the 10,000 hours, you know, becoming right. an expert. Oh, yeah, yeah. It applies, absolutely. It applies to absolutely. everything. Yes. Like if I had a time machine, you know, once I'd gone back and done some topical jokes I thought of much later that I really thought would have nailed. I've got this great bit on, bit on the Titanic I only came up with about 10 <laughs> years after that movie came out. So I, I, I have an inception <laughs> bit that's like one of the best things I've ever written or at least 
I, I love telling yeah. it. It's very silly. And I just, here's this movie from five years ago that no one's seen. Right. And it is. And so I would go, so firstly, I'd use my time machine to go back and uh, do my <laughs> topical <the> material. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I just would like to do it, to be honest, halfway through the fucking premiere of the movie. Yeah. When the moment happens, I would stand up and just go, I'm the first person to say this. I will not be the last, but I am the first. Right. Uh, then I would go back and I would date. I would like visit some of the girls that I dated yeah. that, and just go, I, I learned how to do this. Yeah, you know, yeah. you were nice and I wish that I could have been able to do this better when we were together. And I know that part of the reason that it didn't work out was because I was no good at, you know, being with a girlfriend or like having sex with a girl or whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, the various things that make up a relationship are. Now with the knowledge I have, I just want to come back like the ghost of Christmas future and just like go, don't think of me like that forever. <laughs> Would you like me to tell you a little something that will hopefully help you as much as it helped me? Of course I do. Um, it's the reason I started a podcast. <laughs> Um, so this is evolutionary psychology idea. So we have, um, we have all these various cognitive biases mm -hmm. in, in our brain. And the idea is it comes from this, um, error management theory, which comes from engineering. So when they build smoke alarms, um, the idea is no machine's going to be perfect. It's going to make errors. Uh -huh. And oftentimes it will err to one side like it'll be like say for instance too cautious or not cautious no mm -hmm. like a smoke alarm yeah you, you could make it too sensitive and the fucking thing's always going off or annoying the you. one in this, this apartment is too sensitive this is a new building and they've clearly made them too sensitive because i'm pretty sure that you're meant to be able to fry something in your kitchen right right right. right. literally i'm not able to I, I the other day i had to slow cook bacon like a uh, vegetarian bacon which isn't meant to be slow cooked but right. i was just like i'm gonna set off the fire alarm so this is exactly okay. it this is exactly so so you know that's fucking annoying right so that you err to that side and the cost is, is that you're annoyed by yep. it. Now, if you err to the other side and the smoke alarm doesn't go off when there's an actual fire, right. you're dead. Yep. So when you're trying to figure out what that halfway point is in there, what you do is you set it to be a little overly cautious. Right. So rather than finding that exact place in the middle, you go, and a little extra so it goes off when the toast yep. burns or something like that. And especially when you have... An apartment build, a new apartment building that you right. own. Yes, we're going to have a resident that's annoyed once in a while, but that's better than an entire building uh, <laughs> of right. people burning. It makes complete sense. And and so, so the theory is that our our brains should have adapted these same sort of biases. So, so like one of the more interesting ones is, um, and I talk about it um, some on stage, is this negativity bias, mm -hmm. which is. Um, which is that uh, our ancestors kind of lived on the edge of survival. And if something good happened to them and they got a little extra food or whatever it might be, that's very good. That's great. It's a good day. But if something bad happens, they're fucking dead. Right. So you need to pay a little more attention to those negative things happening. So like my joke about it is that's why there's... Uh, like bad memories are far more salient than good memories. Like that's why there's post-traumatic stress disorder. You know, 10 minutes of horror in someone's life, their life falls apart. They can't get it out of their mind. Why is there no post-euphoric relaxation disorder? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I never once heard a story like, yeah, back in 75, a puppy licked my face and now I can't get mad at anything. You know? So, 
So now take these ideas of these biases. That would be great though if you could manufacture that, right? Like if that we did get because oh, there absolutely. must be some and and that's the that's what's frustrating about it is because our biology doesn't change very fast and yeah. our our society has changed completely. We live in a very safe world. We don't need those danger alarms like we used to. Um, but but um, so so now when it comes to men and women, there's there's some of those same biases. So just uh, a brief intro into evolutionary psychology for your listeners like the basic principles why men and women are different it started off as uh um just the basic principle is an egg is larger and has nutrients way way back when there was just the first egg right when it was just two gametes that got together one of them eventually um got larger and put more investment into um making another uh copy Right, and then the other one um, adapted by getting smaller and more rapid, and it stripped everything else, and then just passed on DNA, and that's when sperm and eggs split up. And ever since that time, there's been a higher cost for every female in every species to actually create. Uh, I mean, I'm, uh, there, there's exceptions, but uh, right. to create the. So he's, pa- he's para- paraphrasing for the point of making a point here, people. Don't use yeah. this on your exams. Yeah, yeah. Do not reference this. Uh, <laughs> so there's this. This is what's called a, a minimal parental investment theory. Females go through a lot more to make a baby. Understand that you know our brains adapted before uh-huh. uh, be, before uh, child support and those sorts of uh, things. So a female goes through a lot more to make a baby than a man does. So a man can theoretically. Um, do better by his genes by going more for quantity, right? And women more on quality. Yeah, and women's like women are like this is gonna like take nine months of my life, and r- I could possibly die or r- be hounded from my village or whatever you know the various things are. And men are just like I need to get something pregnant, so yeah, I'm yeah. gonna spray sperm at anything that moves. And every organism should get out of the picture should reproduce and be done with the costs as soon as they're possible. Humans, it happens to take like 18 years or whatever until we've decided to, but you should, I mean, children are a cost. Offspring are a cost to you and you should do whatever you can to limit that cost. So men have just found a way to be very efficient at that. (laughs) Therefore men, because men are, but by that men have made themselves more, dispensable right and men have to compete more and and um you know care more about hierarchies and all that stuff so uh, that so that's the basics now the the cognitive bias goes like this um these are two interesting things the the first one will set up the next one and then i'll get to that that will uh what launched this conversation um so the idea is is that women uh, men, uh, men's easier. Um, men should be, when a man's approaching a woman or looking for potential mates, um, his brain should be set up with one of these biases. You can err in one way. You can either um, assume that a girl is interested in you that is not and suffer the cost of rejection. Mm -hmm. And that's embarrassing, and there is a cost there. Maybe your buddies are making fun of you and whatever else. Um, And and then, but the other error you can make is to not think that a girl would be interested in you that might be interested in you. And any potential mating 
uh, partner is perhaps a million years of your genes going on into the future. So, so the cost of missing out on that is far greater than the, uh, so, uh, so the idea is, is that men should unconsciously, um, you know, below their uh, conscious level, perceive women as being more into them than they actually are. So they do all these studies <laughs> where they, they put, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm sure it's like it makes a lot of sense, you know. Uh, but but they'll do studies where they put um, they'll put two random people on a speed date, a man right. and a woman on a speed date. Not only that, they'll have another random man and woman observing them separately, like through a one-way mirror, right? And they go on this speed date and talk for ten minutes or whatever, and then they ask each person individually to to rate how interested they thought that the female was in the man. And the female that, that was there is like, oh, he's just being nice to him. And the female that was observing was like, I think she was just being nice to him. And both the dudes are like, she wanted it. <laughs> Didn't matter if you were the guy or the guy you've been watching. <laughs> so, so, um, and then females, um, they, they've tested, and their bias happens to be they're more skeptical of commitment. Right. Right? So, um, so what they found, and this fucking blew my mind when I, when I heard that. I was like actually in a class at, at the time with like a bunch of women in it, and I was like, what the, wait a second. Like I had to ask them. Um, so one of the biases is that, much like that regret thing, like the post-traumatic stress and bad memories being more salient and all that um men men should because there's a higher cost on missing out on opportunities for men those are the things that you should remember more so men tend to dwell on the one that got away and and the the one that they blew oh god she if i would have just been a better person back then i could have made it work did you know that women don't do that nearly as much? It's not that they don't do that, but but they're biased toward like, ah, I shouldn't have fucked that football team. It's always, <laughs> it, it's, yeah, it's action that they did take, right? Not not action that they didn't. And uh, and I heard this, I was like, wow. wait a second, you girls don't have like the fucking girl like or you know guy. For That's them. amazing, but yeah. also you know what that also brings to my mind because as a touring comedian and i'm sure maybe you have this exactly the same experience as well now that you've said that i am now just thinking about for how many women i am that thing they regret oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm happy to be getting married today but i shouldn't have fucked that comedian on a tuesday in Terelgan in that like it wasn't even a good motel like the remote control was chained to the bed i fucked a guy who was staying in a home i mean that's fine for him he's starting out in comedy but i'm a woman with a vagina who's getting married in front of people today uh, yeah, yeah. I, I wanted something out of his minibar he wasn't allowed to open the lock on it <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow, that's uh, that is absolutely fascinating. Yeah, yeah, blew my mind when I heard that. And ever since I have, it's made me feel so much fucking better. I just ran into um like that girl in high school oh, yeah, okay. that I yep. that I I had several of those. I think that and, I know. think that's the thing that perhaps would surprise you know, I I don't know. I look I, I was about to speak of my experiences being everybody's experience. It's much better safer uh to always speak of my experience to be right, my experience right. and people yeah. can, you know, judge it whatever way they want. But 
No, I had several. And I, like, I had several. Like, you know, at least at the time or at least, you know, people that you go, you know, I wonder what my life would have been like if, yeah. if we made it work. And sometimes I look at, you know, my family. Like, I went and saw my sister and she's got four kids and she's married to one of my friends, right? So one of my friends mm-hmm. when I was in my early 20s is my sister's husband and they've got four kids together and they've been together, you know, for 15 years. My brother and I was like is. that, yeah. sort of. So I look at all, so I see my old friends a lot through them. Yeah. And I think, well, you know, what if I just married someone's friend? And like, we're all just hanging out in the suburbs now with our kids and stuff. Maybe, maybe that would have been nice. And then you start to imagine what that life would be like. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there is something about it. You know, I think that we have it pretty easy uh, being comedians because we can always be like, or, or at least being um somewhat uh, successful uh, well you you very successful me yeah, we'll see how this month goes uh, <laughs> uh, it's a podcast we shane is very very successful <laughs> but, but um i uh i think it's easier because this was my experience when i mm-hmm. i was just home and i had about every year i had a girl like that but then there was one right that was like she definitely liked me or, you know, liked me enough. Would have at least, you know, who knows what would have happened. Right. And, and, the, and at the time, I remember, I remember I was an atheist for years at this point. I was an atheist since I was like 10. And I remember like being like 15 or 16 or whatever it was and like fucking praying. Praying. In bed, like I never prayed for anything right. in my fucking it's life, but just to like, just just for her to say yes to me. If I and I like never got up the courage to ask, I, and you know, and and uh, and like ne- always haunted me. Well, this fucking girl, I, I shouldn't even say, but I I was back recently, and it's like I went and like ordered coffee from her. Right, like, I got her. I didn't expect. I was going to right. see a friend, right. Right. like. Oh, fuck, I hope that no one listening, oh, they're going to know who that is, but um, from my hometown. But anyway, point beam, and she's a very nice girl and moved on and great for her and everything. But I thought, oh my God. Right. What if I was still in fucking right. lacrosse, Wisconsin with this fucking barista and like, you know, working in a fucking factory? And so uh, it's easier for us, I think, because we're. Oh, it's very, living a dream, right. not yeah. the dream we probably expected right. to be living, but it's, uh, you know, it's in uh, through the through other people's eyes. It's, it's in the zone. It's in the zone. It's in the zone. It might not be the dream, but you can see the dream from where we are. <laughs> right. We often run into people who are actually living the dream. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're yeah. dream adjacent. Uh, we're yeah. definitely dream adjacent. <laughs> I, uh, uh, but, uh, I definitely know a guy who could get us into the dream party. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to the dream. I don't live in the dream, but I have visited the dream and it's very, very nice. And it, it keeps me going. It smells like cotton candy. I mean, I've played a lot of places that smell like vomit and regret, <laughs> just in the hope that one day I can get back to the dream. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so fucking funny. I, and, okay, true. so yeah, let's. So, I'll go the other side of that, which is... That I was talking to my family again, the ones that I'm idealizing this yeah, life where yeah. they all still know each other. Right. Um, and I do have a lot of close friends in that group, so I do sometimes really do idealize it. And I was talking to one of my friends about what his favorite. Well, we were talking about Oscar films, and I said, oh, what, "What do you think of the Oscar films? Do you think they pick the right films?" And he said to me, he "said Mate, I didn't see a film 
this year. I'm just too busy. And I always talk about yeah. being busy or people say, you're really busy. I saw like three films last week. Yeah, yeah. Like at the movies. Yeah. I saw four on the plane back from Australia. <laughs> like, you know. I know. It's, it is, I mean, when you think about it, it I mean, it's all just mindset. Right. It's ever all of life is these fucking, it's just models in our minds. That, it's all, that's not me talking. That's like fucking Stephen Hawking. We'll but that's, tell you that but that's interesting to me as well, because again, uh, I guess I, I, I like was thinking about this a bit turning 40. One of the things that I found really interesting, and it goes back to the point we were making earlier about nobody knowing anything, which is I am no clearer about what the meaning of life is. I am no clearer about even what the meaning of my life is. Yeah. Like I do all these things, but sometimes I'm like, why am I doing this? What is the purpose of this? Yeah. Like, you know, what does it even mean for me? What am I getting out of it? I'm certainly not getting out of it the things I got out of it when I first started doing. Am I getting the right things out of it now? But the other comforting thing is I was, I'm like, I've got no fucking idea how any of this works, but I'm more than halfway through my life. Like there's no way I'm getting another 40 years out of this fucking body the way that I treat it. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I've got by this far not fucking knowing what I'm doing. Yeah. Surely, at worst, I can stumble to death on the amount of knowledge I have now. <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> yeah, I, and I think, you know, I think what's helped me is realizing, is, is my interest in science, which, um, you know, actually spawned from watching the animal programming, which then got me looking into more stuff and writing jokes about mm -hmm. it. But... Um, it uh what what's helped what made me less confused about life was to realize that as you're kind of gaining experience you are kind of zeroing in on truths for like that particular context like the truth of how to kind of be a slightly better comedian or joke writer or, or what but then you go and ask yourself What's it all mean? Right. You know, what's it all mean? Like that's, I think people really make a mistake by asking themselves that question because As like, in, you don't I, need to know how, what it all means. Well, is that what you're, is that no, what you're saying? I mean, meaning is so, what is meaning even? Meaning right. is, meaning is so based on context mm -hmm. that when you just say, what's it all mean? You're taking all of context mm -hmm. out of everything. Like, like, uh, not to be like, uh, silly poetic or whatever but but you know what people say uh compared to uh the the universe you know you're you're not even a, a speck of sand so what's it matter but then compared to you know the hot fucking air that's coming out of my mouth right now that's if you saw the molecules that my breath was changing, that would be everything. Right. That, what seems insignificant to us. Yeah. So we're I like a speck of sand in the universe, but to a speck of sand, you can stomp the fuck out of that speck of sand. Uh, yeah. Take yeah. you to fucking listen. <laughs> Who's boss? <laughs> Take that fucking sand. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we might be a speck of sand in the universe i'm yeah. just grateful i'm not an actual speck, speck of sand, sand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. of someone's crack being washed over every day fuck you sand right. i've got a house right so i think that you still do zero in on stuff i think you still do well you have to obtain knowledge along the way and i mean some people don't some people kind of plateau Right. Um, and some people, I think, stop wanting to learn anything new. And I understand the comfort in that because, 
like because of the unexplainable nature of the universe, the fact that we're trying to explain something that is, I mean, you can explain a- aspects of the universe right, right. and people have theories of aspects of the universe and you would know from your interest of science. Right. One of the more interesting things to me about science is that science isn't like the end fact. No, no. Science is the best explanation, you know, people have of how things work right now. And, and those of- are still just models. Right. And yeah. often people can believe something for 1,500 years yeah. until someone discovers, oh, no, you know that thing that we've just been saying forever is true? Right. Ah, uh, that's bullshit. We were a bit wrong about that. Right. But also, what I'm also saying, though, is at the same time, those, a lot of times, those facts are right according to those models, even though they're not right in, like, the big picture of things. So, Interesting. Yeah. So, Newton was Right. Right. Even though he didn't know about relativity, he was right in his theory of gravity as he was using it, using the models he was using. And then they just eventually, uh, you know, gained more information in different contexts and figured. So I think we're... I think we're still what I, what I love the most about this podcast is sometimes people joke that we talk about prison sex too much, but I think this is the second episode in a row where we've talked about Newton's laws. So oh, I feel right. like we're, we're going up a, a level in the conversations <laughs> nice. of like... <laughs> we can talk about prison sex. Huh? Well, I think that we should incorporate the two. I mean, in prison, uh, you've got to remember that every action has an equal and opposite reaction. <laughs> <laughs> They, they, were, they were Newton's lesser known laws, his prison laws. Yeah, yeah. What I mean, what's gay if you're in prison? That's right. relativity. That's relativity. I <laughs> <laughs> just like, love the idea of them having to explain everything. that. Like. So this theory of relativity, could you dumb it down for us? Well, you know how like a man's cocking your mouth like yeah, on yeah. the outside, that's guy? No, I've done that. Right. I've, do- I've basically done that on stage <laughs> really? to explain relativity to people. I used to have a joke about relativity and, and um, uh, the um, uh, time slowing down the closer you get to the speed of light. Like mm. if I'm in a train traveling around the earth as, uh, you know, at near the speed of light and you're on a station watching me um, and I have sex with my girlfriend on that train I she might be complaining because I came too quickly but to you guys I just lasted for like 80 years so <laughs> you know what's, what's she complaining about yeah I used to explain it uh, my theory of relativity uh, explanation was the white stripes I said if you've ever watched the white stripes three minutes when Jack White's singing a song versus how three minutes feels when Meg White's singing a song that's my <laughs> that's funny um so I, you know, I, I guess, oh, um, science. Uh, yeah, the science meaning of the universe. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm so split. Oh, you're still I'm there. Rich. You're still yeah. I'm so, I'm no, still... no, I'm interested in the science chat because I, I, I think that it's interesting to me where your science. Because uh, it, it's more than just a knowledge. You're not trying to learn about things and then try to show off about facts that you have. Right. Like in this conversation, you have use things and theories that you've learned to practically understand and explain situations. Yeah. And that's a here's what I'm confused about about life. Right. And I'm going to do my damnedest to figure out whatever I can figure out. And is make- that a search it like is that a search for meaning in some kind in the same way as other people would use religion and stuff like that? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So it interests me that your parents were very religious, but you said that you weren't 
Because I, I think I have a very... You know, I've never seen that connection before, actually. That, uh, now that you say it, like that's, uh, that's interesting. Uh, you, are, anyway, I'll let you... No, no, no. That's, I don't mean to put words in your mouth. No, no, but no. you were about to say, like, so my parents were kind of, like, chasing this meaning. Right. And that's just the meaning. It's they, just a meaning that just, they... And I'm chasing mean. If you're just boiling it down to just looking for me that's interesting right yeah so uh, the old one's easier because they basically just give you a book and 10 rules <laughs> and you're done your one's the hard one right yeah because yeah. it's a constant updating it's a constant exploration and there's a I constant don't know amount of things that harder are harder because i <laughs> i get i gain things like along the way that i mean to me i think that terrifies people though i think it terrifies people about how much we know and don't know and every time we come up with a new explanation i think people some like there is a certain sort of person like douglas adams do you know who douglas adams is he wrote a book called the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy oh yeah yeah right and i haven't read the book a wonderful science advocate and loved science and i'm going to murder the quote but basically it's a quote about you know the uh, i wish i could remember it exactly um you know what i'm going to pause and i'm going to google it because it's i think it's worth it Okay, I'm back. I've, I've Googled, and what I've learned so far is um, that there are a lot of Douglas Adams quotes on the internet. But uh, I've found one that isn't the one I was looking for, but I'll, I'll see if I can find the one I'm looking for as well. But he said this. He said, isn't it enough to see that a garden is beautiful without having to believe that there are fairies at the bottom of it too? And the other one that I was looking for was... <clears throat> Ah, this one. Here we go. I'd take the awe of understanding over the awe of ignorance every day, any day. Yeah. And to me, that's that's the interesting one because some people say, and Pete Holmes, who I like, Pete Holmes. I think he's a really funny comedian, but he often his t- point of view. Um, I know what you're gonna say, and it's frustrating. He obviously t- he talks about the idea of like if you don't believe, then like you know you you lose the magic. You know, like that people who you know go the scientific approach lose the magic of life. I you know, know. to I've paraphrase about that yeah. and and but there's something magic in what you've talked to me about today like i've loved this podcast because my brain has like been blown away like i would this is the only reason i started a podcast was to have conversations yeah. like this and i find everything that you've said much more fascinating than anybody ever anything anyone ever wrote in an old book and said you know learn this and live by these rules like to me right. this is it's fascinating i i think it must be hard to not be able to look into anything just be like well i guess it's just this way and that's i just have to take that because that's the way life is and that was god's people won't use people won't use a fucking phone that came out five years ago because it's an outdated piece of shit but we're meant to use a manual that came out two thousand years ago right it just doesn't make any sense to me yeah and and i don't i don't see how it to me um i think that learning more about this stuff has made me appreciate things a lot you mentioned um flower garden in the in the quote well knowing where um uh, think about how did our um sense of beauty evolve and they do a variety of um tests and and look through see what's like been aesthetically appealing through you know old artwork and human history and it seems to 
I mean, people's tastes get sophisticated the more into art they are. It gets more sophisticated like anything, like being a comedian, your tastes get more sophisticated. But on a base level, people's first impression of what is a beautiful scenery is very similar to what the savannah was like in in, uh, Africa where we evolved. So you have water, which you need for... Uh, uh, for drinking, you have um, some vegetation, and you have trees that aren't too close together, so you can still um, see things and not be swamped by by trees, but still find some hiding places. And uh, it, I forget everything that there is too, but but things like flowers, flowers are a sign, are an honest indicator of of um, of future life. Um, so, uh, a fruit tree flowers. So if your brain is eventually adapted to, uh, noticing a flower or, or finding it a little more aesthetically appealing, it doesn't have to be on a conscious level. If you happen to find flowers more aesthetically appealing and you're walking around and you notice flowers and you go, Hey, I'm going to go back to that place. You don't necessarily need to know why you're going back there. I just liked that place. And now a few months later, there's animals there for hunting and there's uh there's fruit or vegetation or whatever it might be that you can uh, that you can eat and that's where a lot of our sense of beauty came from and and especially when we were talking earlier about you know the sociology be between um men and women you can look at arbitrary things like um like why why would um why do all women like flowers well you know if you look maybe this is all that stuff that i said before is a lot of different people's ideas that's not me talking out of my ass this is talking me talking out. (laughs) this is my own idea yeah um so if you're a female and you're gathering things you would be more in tune to plant life and and looking and being like oh this is where you would probably consciously aware of this is where um you know fruits will be in a few months we better pay attention to that and now say you're a fella and you um, can't communicate yet or you're just a monkey or whatever and uh, what, what you can and you're out hunting and, and you're out and about and you happen to notice these flowers how can you communicate to her that hey I found a spot with a, a good spot where there will be future vegetation and you could take those flowers to her as a symbol like look I know where the good shit will right. be coming up pretty soon not only that but also taking flowers to her is is also kind of like you're also not telling her exactly where it is you're just showing her right. that you know where the resources plus are. occasionally you're out all night fucking a mammoth you're like <laughs> yeah. i've got some flowers on the way home yeah, yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> I, I i like that and i'm really interested in it because as you may have noticed uh, most men who come into this house uh, do notice it. Um, there's quite a lot of flowers in yeah, this house. It's a good call. Like I have flowers like all around the place in here because I, I like having flowers around. Yeah. Like my place in Sydney like has a garden and stuff and I don't have a garden here. So like I have, fl- but I'm not really sure why I have flowers, but I, yeah. li- I, li- I do like them. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it, it, when did you, because when I was younger, um, I actually didn't ever like any scenery stuff until after I did mushrooms. <laughs> that right. was like the first time. Like, <laughs> I, I, I talk too much about mushrooms no. sometimes. Because no, because, well, okay, well, let's, uh, firstly, uh, let's say this. 
first. Yeah. This podcast is a safe space. Oh it's no, the, no, it's not the agree- that. No, it's the agreement I've made with my audience. I'm going to say, I'm going to go on to say this, but we all know this. It's the safe space. Secondly, we don't talk enough about mushrooms on this podcast oh, okay. because because I don't really normally have people on who'd like to talk about mushrooms. Yeah, yeah. But I would love to talk about mushrooms yeah, because yeah. I love mushrooms. <laughs> and just because you talk about them, we've talked about a million things on this podcast. Handle your fucking high. Whatever you're into, yeah. handle your high, right? Like if, if fucking booze, if you drink and it makes you a terrible person, don't drink booze. If you smoke weed and it makes you a great person, then smoke weed. If you smoke weed and it means you never go out of the house and it ruins your fucking life, yeah. then you know what? It's Get off the fucking bomb, right? Nothing is but for nothing everybody. But nothing is for everybody. And like, and I guess not, not only that, not only um, because... Yes, it's a concern of mine that someone might eat way too many fucking mushrooms. I mean, you should go with someone experienced your first time and like fucking, you know, do something crazy. And I've certainly done some crazy things. Right. But but also, I don't mean to make it sound like I I just really want to like clarify sometimes because I think sometimes people that do mushrooms that are advocates of them or at least as excited about them as I am are like they're the truth and that's not what I'm saying at all but they could yeah (laughs) but through that like everything looks they're not the truth but they're truth adjacent yeah. You can see the truth from yeah, where they yeah. are. They're in the zone. <laughs> They're in the zone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they know some guys in the truth and they can get you in this one night right, if you hang right. out with them. Right. <laughs> you can't stay in the truth. No, but no. But they can no. get you into the truth. <laughs> um, but what's so interesting about mushrooms to me is that I know on an intellectual level that um, my sense of perspective is flawed. Like we were talking about those cognitive biases, for example, where I put my hand on this table and right now my hand isn't on this table. There's actually electrons that are repelling other electrons and, and this is my brain's kind of best guess of what, what is going on. And uh, you know, on an intellectual level, I understand those things. I understand that our sense of color can vary and be subjective. I get it. Like I could read it in a book. I could tell you that. But when I'm on mushrooms, yeah. like I can feel, you can feel it. like how flimsy it is, yeah. uh, it, you know, your sense of perspective. And, and a lot of times things seem so fucking profound on mushrooms right. that later on you're like, yeah, well, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like I had this beautiful fucking moment with myself over New Year's. That's like so embarrassing to even bring up. It was so. It was like such a beautiful moment that I had with myself. And now it's like, yeah, yeah, no, that wasn't quite what it needed to be. And I, I remember in Byron Bay, Charlie, the the guy who uh, used to um, do this podcast yeah. with me, is not allowed. Who to I'm do- subbing for today. Yes, he's not allowed to do it anymore because he's on a family friendly television show called Home and Away. So I can't mention that we were together. Really? Yeah, I can't what? mention that we were together in this story. And so I won't mention that we were. But um, oh we, uh, we, me and somebody else who wasn't Charlie, wink, podcast audience, <laughs> uh, were on a holiday together up in Byron Bay uh, with our girlfriends. And uh, we bought mushrooms at a shop, like at an actual, we were in Byron Bay and we went into like hip, oh, I shouldn't say what the shop is, but we went into like a, like a, like a legal herb shop yeah and the woman behind the counter was like do you want something else and she was like 
yeah and so we bought mushrooms off her right yeah and we're like oh my god we just went into a shop and bought mushrooms byron bay is the best place ever like you know yeah, yeah. why isn't the whole world just a place where we can go into a shop and buy mushrooms that right. should be a thing anyway we we had this house on the beach and we, we took mushrooms it was just a like it was one of the best nights of all time it was literally one of those nights where i was ringing people telling them that we were going to take mushrooms for 30 days in a row because i'd found a shop that would sell them to us and we should all just come to this house for one month and take mushrooms every day for a month as an experiment they won't work. and then for the rest of our life we could always talk about the month, month where we like, so like the guy whose face was on fire this yeah, would yeah. be our story of our generation <laughs> yeah, yeah anyway like i was having a great night oh it, yeah it took us an hour we walked to the beach it was 10 meters like from the house like it had a little private uh, thing out onto this beautiful beach. It took Charlie and I one hour to walk from the house to the beach Was because we would obviously just – you know stepping up and down i mean someone who wasn't charlie and i and we're obviously stepping up and down just like getting to the beach but i remember standing in the ocean with my feet in the ocean and i felt like i was connected to the universe like as fucking strong like as the waves would like i mean this you could see all the stars the whole thing but like as the waves would come in it it was wash over your legs and and like like fucking little whirlpools all around your legs and it was like my arms were playing it like the ocean like an orchestra it was i've never felt more in tune with the fucking universe like i have a plant that um that where my girlfriend and I took mushrooms for the first time and we were like hanging out by this fucking weird plant. It was just the weirdest looking plant. We'd never seen anything like it. I don't know what it was. But uh, we went back to Salt Lake City one time. Yeah. Just to look at this fucking plant. (laughs) It was like, we weren't even performing in Salt Lake City. We had to fly into Salt Lake City and drive to this other gig. And we're like, that's, it was just in the fucking front of a hotel. Fall off the fucking park and like ah fond memories of this fucking. I know what this guy thinks. That's your Joshua Tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Oh fuck. But but it's also interesting because you learn that like. So, so, you know, these things are very profound when you're on mushroom. And then you come down and you're right. like, okay, now I have my sense of perspective back. Yeah. But I also think it's that... It's probably not a... should call everyone. It's probably not a great uh, idea yeah, to yeah, have yeah. a mushroom house. We've all got shit to do this month. Turn I'm your sorry, phone guys. off. <laughs> sorry, guys. <laughs> Turn your phone off when you're tripping. You don't need to talk to anyone in the outside world when you're tripping. That, that's a good tip to the listeners. Um, but I do think that is a metaphor in and of itself, is what I've taken away from it, is, is that... Um, everything kind of seems more profound than it actually is, Uh you know, depending on how you look at it. And my, and especially since I quit drinking Mm -hmm. and had to like deal, I actually had to like deal with problems. Yeah, sure. Like I had to like, (laughs) I had to like be depressed and like just sit there and be fucking depressed. I, I had never really had to do that since I was like, 16 or you know whenever i first and and um and when i was uh and what mushrooms especially um taught me once i especially once i started learning more about this stuff and everything else was just how the roller coaster ride of emotions that you can go on when you're on mushrooms from like laughing hysterically to like all of a sudden this fucking emptiness to like, uh, I'm happy again. Now I'm insecure again. Now I'm brilliant. Now I'm a dumbass. And, 
and all of it changed based on nothing other than some chemicals in your brain is all it was that changed your emotional states around Uh that wildly. And so much of life is like that. And I mean, if you think of like, um, 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 like what what's the adaptation for depression like why is there depression in the first place and uh, sort of no one exactly knows of course but some of the running theories are that is that it's like um the metaphor is you know you you get in a fight with another monkey and you lose you get depressed so that you won't go back right away right you need your confidence knocked down a little bit to reassess Uh and figure out a new strategy so depression is like a little way of going hold on let's let's check make sure that we're using all of the proper strategies right now to get ahead in life and doing everything as we should but it's just a chemical signal in your brain and that's all there is and some people have too much of that Oh yeah, yeah. Some people are erring way on the side of being too cautious. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. That's the way too much. And that's interesting. Uh, uh, that the do you think the reason there's so many cases of depression because particularly in the first world in the Western world, like the rates of depression have gone through the roof. Do you think that's because it's just being diagnosed more and it's always been that sort of level, or do you think that there's something about our modern society that? Obviously, it doesn't cause depression, but exacerbates whatever the, you know... Oh, man, that's so hard because it's something like that, there's such a web of causation. Right. And I I really like the ideas of, of, um, of hey, we were adapted for, for this, uh, like this hunter-gathering stuff. We weren't adapted to be sitting in front of computers. Right. If we were, we wouldn't get carpal tunnel. You know, mm-hmm. our bodies would be built to like sitting in a chair all day would be the most comfortable yeah. and healthy. You position know how you have really us. bad back and everyone has a really bad back. It's because you're doing something you're not meant to do. Right. You know how we're all really, really fat because we're meant to actually like eat that amount of food and work out. There's no program in our brain to be like, hey, you can stop eating because there's more food in the fridge. Yeah. Like we wouldn't. They take fat receptors out of rats and they can feed them as much as they want. And yeah. then they'll just shit everything out and they'll be like these ripped rats because fat is to store energy. I don't know if you've read it, but I'm just reading this amazing book called uh, Fat, Sugar, Salt, Salt, Sugar, Fat by Michael Moss. No. And it's 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 a journalistic look at the processed food industry basically but right. it talks a lot about you know all those things and about the you know how they put fat and sugar and, and salt in all these foods essentially to confuse our brain into keep eating when we don't need to be eating and and how much of that is just that's a lot chemistry of, that's a lot of modern society and and um and and that also has to go to the point with um with like sociology stuff and reinforcing there's sometimes a chicken and egg kind of situation there. You see, from my perspective, like a lot of people might say that um, women and men are a certain way because men are given, um, you know, car magazines and, and women are given gossip magazines. Right. And I would argue, why did society become like that in the first place? I would argue that marketers tapped into an instinct that was already there. Women already wanted the top male knight in shining armor to commit themselves to them and then 
Hollywood found a way to tap into those instincts. And yes, it does perpetuate it and everything. Um, but I would say as far as depression goes, I mean, that's so tough. Cause that could be diet. That could be like a million different things. I think that the, our hierarchy is so fucked up. Like our hunter gatherer hierarchy would have been like that top alpha male is like doing slightly better than you it's like it you know your your neighbor next to you who lives in uh, the same apartment and has you know a slightly better car or something like that that would be like the level of difference between right. like the lowest guy on the totem pole yeah. and the top guy as on opposed the totem to pole. 85 of the world's richest people have the same amount as 350 million of the world's poorest people right. as oxfam uh, the study came out recently and i would i would not be surprised if our instincts are in tune with trying to evaluate where the hierarchy's at and where we're standing on that hierarchy. And not only are those people doing well for themselves, but the, I, the projected idea of how well those people are doing is a lie as well. Like if you look at most football players are bankrupt within a, a six years. Of, right. Uh, but, yeah. but you don't see that. Uh, no. You just imagine like you just these see the gods. Dreams. Yeah. <laughs> you don't see when they can't get into the dream anymore. Yeah, no one yeah, wants yeah. to hear about the dream. <laughs> yeah. Go and coach football in the country. No, but I, but I, coming back to advertising, which was that thing you said about advertising identifying, and I think that it certainly does. Like it identifies things that are there, but of course then it blows it up and characterizes it and reinforces prejudice. And then you have that debate about whether advertising should have any role in progressing society or if they think they can sell more toilet cleaner by making women feel guilty about their dirty toilet, then maybe that's their job to do that. Yeah. The thing about advertising that I find interesting now is how aspirational everything is. Like we now, like I remember, and it sounds like such an old man thing to say, but when I was young, like the updating, the keeping up with the Joneses seemed to only happen every three years or five years when they got a new car or they got a television or whatever. But now like your phone's out of date in six months, you know, yeah, like yeah. Th that you have to constantly be updating. And that must be hard if you feel like you're competing in that. And in that not world. only that, even if you're getting the top new phone, right. you're not even satisfied with it because, because these phones don't advance like they used to. Remember when we went from, uh, atlases to uh, using MapQuest and then MapQuest to having GPS and then GPS and now it's on our phone. Like you remember these huge leaps. Those are yeah. what stick out in your mind. And year by year, uh, it's just going to seem disappointing <laughs> to you. <laughs> so, so again, it's just that matter of perspective. I think humans have a very hard time gaining perspective on things. It's fucking fascinating, man. I've enjoyed this very much. We should finish up because we've got to do some plugs yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, tell people uh, where they can find you. What, what, you know, where are you? What can you be doing? What, where can they find you? Internet, real life, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, yeah, please just go to my website, shanemoss.com, and I'll have uh, my tour dates on there, and my Twitter is at shanecomedy. I post some jokes and stuff like that. And um, I have my own podcast, me and my girlfriend, uh, comedian April Macy, and I have a podcast called The Double Date Podcast. It's her and I and another couple. Maybe we can see if Will can find a date for it sometime. 
I'm going to put the pressure on you keep, right you keep a, You've asked me a couple of times and yeah. I keep going, I'm not sure if I... I, I know, <laughs> well, that on your podcast, I'll put the pressure on for your listeners. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can edit that part out if you want. I'm I don't edit. I don't like to edit. No, I, if you I, do. it's the date thing that is the problem. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, and, and what about uh, Australia? Because we have a lot of Australian listeners. Are you coming back to Australia at some stage? Because you're a regular uh, visitor to Australia. Yeah, right? yeah. I hope so. I, how long? How? When did you first come come to Australia? Uh, like five years ago. And you've been back a fair bit. Since yeah, then, right? yeah. I've been there four or five times yeah. now. And uh, yeah, I got to do the. Uh, oh, I heard they were. Someone told me they used my joke for the um, for. Because I, I went and did the Just for Laughs uh-huh. um, at the Sydney Opera House, uh-huh. and they did the taping. And I guess they're using my joke and all the promotion oh, okay. for cool. it, because I walked out and I was like, oh, what it's amazing to be here at the Sydney Opera House. You know, this is a, a dream. I mean, it's not the main room. <laughs> Or the other main room, but it's just such a privilege to be in the basement of one of the most prestigious venues in the world. Do you know what you were, Shane? That. You were dream adjacent. I was. I was in the zone of a dream. <laughs> so hopefully I'll be back to Australia soon, too. Maybe the Sydney Comedy Festival or something this year. I don't know. How, how um, if, we, if people want to catch me, uh, I'm at San Francisco Sketch Fest this weekend. Uh, my, my stand-up show uh, that I'm doing with Dave Hill, the two of us is on Thursday night. I would love if you came out to that show because obviously, you know, that's the one where I'll be doing the most stand-up, but I'm also doing Setlist and Prompter and Kurt uh, Brownola's show. So I'll be doing a bunch of gigs over the weekend. Those um, guys are so funny. Dave Hill and Kurt. That's uh, quite, uh, isn't it? Yeah, like yeah, it's it. Well, I've never met Dave before. We're doing like a double bill at this, like, so they've got a, like a split bill, the two of oh, us doing really? it. And we've not met before, but oh. I follow him on Twitter and stuff and think he's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. So I'm he's looking awesome. forward. But Kurt, I've worked with a bit and he's been on this podcast and yeah, yeah I'm looking forward to doing his show, but please come to my show. <laughs> It'd be oh, nice. Yeah. I'm happy to do all the others, but I'm like, set list has got like, you know, Bobcat, Goldsweight and all these like, you know, big comics, Matt Kirshner is on here regularly and all this. And I'm like, for my show, I'd like a few people to come to my show. Right. I have all my friends. I've got a few friends in San Francisco. They're like, oh, I think I'll come to set list. There's heaps of good, come to my show. But come to my show as well. It's my first one. I don't want my first one to suck. Yeah, we also need you to make us look good. Right, uh, exactly. This isn't just about your entertainment. You yeah, guys, to help it's my first us. time in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. I and want then them we to can entertain you more right. if you help us. You help and, us. Yeah. Help, help me <laughs> help you. <laughs> um, my Australian tour is just about to start. It starts in Adelaide on March the 2nd, then a Brisbane Comedy Festival, Melbourne International Comedy Festival, Sydney Comedy Festival. Uh, we just sold out our first show in Chatswood at the Sydney Comedy Festival, so we've added a second one uh, that you can book tickets for. I have two at the Enmore. Uh, they're almost sold out, so if you want to come and see my show at the Enmore, please get in quick. Um, Shane, it's been an absolute pleasure. Awesome, man. I, man. Fucking I love loved this. it. Great to see you. We'd love to have you back and do it again sometime. Yeah. Yeah, sounds great.